<clears throat> okay, good morning everyone. Shalom Aleichem, Bruchem Abayim. This year, is uh, we've been calling it Seven Original Insights on the Parsha. And here we have on the sheet, Panine Magad Arakia. It was not yet uh, typed up and edited yet. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are a bunch on the sheet over here. Um, some of them I gave during the course of the week. So uh, those... You could look at it on your own. They're available on our email. If you want to subscribe to this, you could go to rabbidg.com and have this uh, sent to your inbox on Arab Shabbos. Um, we we um, spoke about some of these things. I want to share with you over here, this third piece over here, that Avraham Avinu comes to Eretz Yisrael. It says, Vaya'avar Avraham Ba'aretz. Ad Eloin Ad Shechem. And it's very interesting that the first stop of Yaakov Avinu was the city of Shechem. Rashi says, Why did Yaakov come to Shechem? Lehispalel al Bnei Yaakov. Why did Avram Avinu come to Shechem? To pray for the descendants of Jacob. So the first thing that it was actually very moving to me is just to be alert to the idea that this is Avram Avinu's first steps in the Holy Land. Where is first stop in Eretz Yisrael? We all know everybody has their first stop when they get to Eretz Yisrael. Many be- people, they won't go anywhere before they go to the Kaisal HaMaravi. And Yaakov Avinu, what's the first thing he does? The first thing he does is he davens for his children. And I think that should be very telling to us. Because Avraham Avinu in his capacity as Avinu realizes that his first obligation to his children is to pray for them. You know, that's something that every parent has to think about. We know that a father has certain obligations to his son to give a brasmila, to teach Torah, to find him a job, and so forth. But the first thing that Avraham Avinu does is he's mispalel. That is the number one requirement of a parent to pray for their kid. Number two, Rashi says that Avram Avinu was mispalel al bnei Yaakov kishayavoyu lihilachem al sadoim. Can you get any more masayavoy simin labanim than that? <laughs> Do we not see kemat b'chol yom? That the Bnei Yaakov, that Klal Yisrael fights wars in Shechem. I mean, it's, it's basically a daily occurrence where the Klal Yisrael has to fight wars in Shechem. And this is, uh, Yaakov, Avram Avinu sees this, recognizes this. And therefore, his first stop in Eretz Yisrael is to pray for the welfare of the Jewish people in the wars against, uh, in Eretz Yisrael in the city of Shechem. But let's point out something else. What's the first city that Avraham Avinu goes to Shechem? Why Shechem? Do you want to suggest because Shechem is the city of Yosef? And Yosef Hatzat is, is Yisoid. Yosef is the Midah of Yisoid. Avraham is Chesed. Yitzchak is Gevura. Yaakov is Teferes. Yosef is Yisoid. Foundation. So if Avraham Avinu is going to the Holy Land to build the Jewish people and to build the country, then you always have to start with the foundation. So of course, Avram Avinu is going to pray for the city of Shechem 
because first you have to lay the foundation, Yisoid, Yosef, and you can build from there. Next. This was an interesting idea for me. It's the first time in the Chumash you have the concept of Hallel. Anybody know where we have Hallel in this week's Parsha? You have Hallel. The first recitation of Hallel. The Egyptians. The Egyptians. Vayiru oisa sorry faroi. Vayahalalu oisa el paroi. By the way, does anybody here know what Hallel is? What's Hallel? Why do we have to say Hallel? We say Psuke de Zimra. We say all kinds of Shvachim and praises. So I would humbly suggest if you want to know what something is, you have to look at the first time it's mentioned in the Torah. The first time in the Torah you have Hallel is the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptians saw this beautiful Isha Sarah. Vaya Hallelu They said Hallel. Vizeh Hallel Harisha and Chiniska Batayra. Rashi says, They praised her, she's fit for the king. So maybe we could learn from here, the Yisoyed of Hallel is that, I should say, um, is one should be Nisoyra, Lehisoyra, Amasa HaKadosh Baruch when a person is inspired by the deeds of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and what person says, wow, the Rebunisham did that. Kiyafahi ma'oid. Wow, how, how wondrous it is. How beautiful it is. You know what Halal is? You say, Haguna masimelu lemelech gadovanoira. You say, such powerful deeds are fit for the king. In other words, we learn from the Halal of the Mitzvah. What they say? Ah, oh, they saw Isha Yafa ma'oid. And they said, Haguna Zulamelech. So the person is Nisoyer about the wondrous deeds of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The idea of Hallel is to say, wow, such wondrous deeds, they are worthy for the king. Next. I think this is a good question. Parak Yudgimel Pasuk Yud. Vayisa loyda seinav, vayaras kolkika hayardin kikula mashka, lefnei shachois Hashem esedoim ve'esamoira. You hear what the Pasuk says? Light lifts up his eyes and he sees the whole plain of the Jordan that it's all watered before God destroyed Sidaim and Amira. So Light sees this beautiful land. It's like the Garden of Eden. And the Torah interjects. The Torah says, by the way, parenthetically, we just want you to know this was before God destroyed Sidaim. So you know what it's bothered by? Really? It's before Hashem destroyed Sidaim? No kidding, it's before Hashem destroyed Sidaim. Obviously, it was only beautiful before it was destroyed. After it was destroyed, it wasn't beautiful anymore. I mean, uh, it goes without saying. The Twin Towers were very tall buildings before they were destroyed. Uh, Yeah, oh, good to know. Why would the Torah have to say, Lloyd saw how beautiful the earth was, the land was, before God destroyed it? I'm such a push at the Kasha. Why is the Torah saying that? And I think the, the Torah telling us a very powerful lesson. You know what the on Lloyd is? Lloyd sees the land of Sodom and he was so moved, he was so taken by it. He says, it's such a beautiful land. They say, but Lloyd, the people are rotten, the people are awful. No, but it's such 
beautiful Gashmias. I'm going to go after the Gashmias. If somebody would have told Light, yeah, but Light, is it really worth it? You know that Gashmias is fleeting. Gashmias doesn't last long. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Maybe this is not worthwhile. Are you, do you realize you're giving up something? I understand the Gashmias looks good, but who says it will be around forever? Light made the mistake and he thought that Gashmias has a permanence to it. And therefore, the, it's worth it. It's permanent. Gashmias is worthwhile taking the chance of being influenced by these bad people. But Light's mistake was, do you know how quickly God could destroy anything in Gashmias? Do you know how fleeting Gashmias is? Do you know how fleeting any physical entities are? I remember hearing from a Rabbi Victor Miller. He said, the skyscrapers in Manhattan, they're nothing. In one minute, they could be reduced to rubble. He, and he said, one day, there'll be a pile of rubble. I heard him say those words. I heard him say those words. Not a rabbi 200 years ago. A rabbi that I knew. I went to him when I was 20 years old. And I heard him say, eh, don't be so nispoiled from the skyscrapers of Manhattan. One day they could be reduced to rubble. And he, he didn't just... He didn't say they could. He said one day they will be a pile of rubble. That was the Taina on Light. Light, are you kidding me? You're giving up Olam Haba for Sedaim? I understand it's beautiful now, but that's before God destroys it. You know how quickly God could destroy it? This whole Olam Hazez, Ka'anam Pireach, could sell Oiver. Biyuchal Hastapich Kamay Raga could be turned over in a second. That's what the Torah emphasizes. Lloyd's mistake was he loved the land and it was beautiful only before God destroyed it. Okay, next. Next, I think, is Mamish uh, beautiful. I'm not 100% sure about the premise, but, but I think it's correct. Let's say you have a nephew that's living in your house and you tell the nephew, listen, kid, we love you. You can't live in my house. You got to gotta make uh, make it on your own. So the nephew says, yeah, but uncle, I'm scared. It's a dangerous world out there. The uncle says, nah, I'll be checking up on you every day and if you're ever in trouble, I'll bail you out. So the nephew goes out and Itaka gets in trouble and he's in danger. Does the uncle have to risk his life to save the kid? I maintain yes. You know why? Because he said he would. And if he said he would, and that's the only reason the the kid left. He's reliant on you and you gave him your word and he left conditionally based on your assurance. I think you gotta, you gotta come through for him. So all the Mepharshim ask, why did Avraham risk his life to save light? And I think the answer is very posh. Because he said he would. He said, really? When? I said, posh to Rashi. Rashi says, Im hasma el ve'eminav im hayamin ve'asmeila perush Rashi b'chol asher teishev loy esrachik mimcha ve'a'amoy l'cha l'magain u'la'ezer v'soif davar hutzrach loy shenemra ve'yishma Avram kinish ba'achiv. 
You know, it's like Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky asks, after Yaakov married Leah, why did he marry Rachel? You can't marry two sisters. You know what Rabbi Yaakov says? You know why Yaakov married Rachel after? Because he said he would. He engaged her. He got engaged to her. So very nice he married Leah. And he has a personal chumrah. He won't marry two sisters and he keeps the Torah. Yeah, but more important than your personal chumrah is you got to keep your word. So Avram gave Lloyd his word. Okay. Now the next idea, I already said on a clip, but if you didn't hear it, I want to say it again. It's a matanam and ashamay. It's ayam and We know that in the war of the four kings and the five kings, Kedarla Oimer, Sidal, Amraphel, they fought against Melech Moyav. Melech Moyav fell in a pit of mortar. And he levitated out. And there were naysayers among the nations of the world who did not believe that Avram was saved from Or Kazdim. And when Melech Moyav was saved, they believed in Or Kazdim. And they said, they said if Melech Moyav could be saved from a pit, then Avram could have also. And I think this is just astounding, mind-boggling. The great Hashgacha Pratis over here. We once explained, we had a long share about this subject, that of the four kings, who was the main king of the four kings? The main king was Kedar La'aymer. Actually, uh, Reb Nassan, I'm going to say over your vote, Reb Nassan Welder told me a beautiful Dvar Torah, original Dvar Torah, Remember we once said the significance of Avraham's 318 men. We said from Reb Tzadik HaKoyen that Yosh is 317 and Avraham wanted to overcome Yosh so he brought 318 men. And uh, Reb Tzadik HaKoyen uses that to explain a Gemara in Sukkah where a woman wanted her beam back. And she said, give me my beam back. I'm the descendant of Avram with 318 men. What's the connection? Why is she invoking Avram's 318 men? What she was saying was that she was not Miyayish on the beam. So uh, Rav Nassim suggested, that's why Rashi says Kedarla Oimer was the first king and the main king. Rashi says, Hunichnas ha He enters the thick of the beam. In other words, Rashi is being Maramez that from here we learn out to the story of the woman with Rav Nachman who didn't give up on her beam. But Rashi says Kedar Laimer was the main king. But nevertheless, even though Kedar Laimer is listed first, but not in the beginning of the story, the story begins, Vayihi bimei Amraphel Melchinar. Amraphel is listed first at the beginning of the story. So we basically explained, it's in the Sefer on Beresh, Yismayim Rechav, um, based on the Lavush, based on Rabbi Yosef, that Amraphel, if the New York Times was reporting the story, their, their slant, they would report it, Kedar Oimer was the main king, he was the main political power. But the Torah is saying, but from the Torah perspective, you need to know that we're telling you the story because we want you to know Nimrod was one of the kings over here. And Nimrod had an ulterior motive in this war. Because he figures, if even though he... When he went head-to-head against Avram and Nor Kazdim, he was embarrassed and Avram was saved. But nevertheless, he knows that Avram has a nephew. And 
Avram's nephew looks exactly like Avram. And if he ever captures Avram's nephew, he could say that even though I lost to Avraham in regulation, but in overtime at the end of the day, I, I won uh, I won an extra innings when I captured Avraham in the War of the Four Kings. And he'll tell everyone, look, look, I captured Avraham. Because Lloyd is a spitting image of Avraham. Yeah? So, that's why Nimrod came here. Nimrod came into this war to silence what happened at Orkazdim, to damper it, to, 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 to cover it over. So Amrafel's whole motivation getting involved is to try to cover up Orkazdim. Hashem says, watch this. I'm going to use your plans and your machinations. Not only are you not going to cover over Orkazdim, through this episode, now everyone who didn't believe in Orkazdim before will now believe in it. Because you're going to fight against Melchmayov, he's going to fall into a pit, miraculously he's going to be saved, and through his salvation, everyone's going to say, if he was saved, then Avraham definitely was saved from Orkazdim. So Nimrod thinks he's going to put Orkazdim to bed. Hashem says, no, through this story, everyone's going to believe in Orkazdim. Okay, next. This hit me in the story of Brisbane Abbasarim. It says, He took all the animals, He split them in half, He didn't split the bird, Rashi says. It's a remez to the nations of the world that they will dissipate, but Klal Yisrael will last forever. I think this is amazing. Because a few psukim later, the pasuk says, "Vayhi Hashem Eshlavai, the Sardema Nafla Avram, Vihine Ema, Ema Gedolah Vachashecha Nafla Avram." Rashi says that's a remez to the Tsaros of the Galus. What is Hashem Merames to Avraham first? First, Hashem is Merames. The nations of the world will be destroyed. Klal Yisrael will last forever. And only then is Hashem Merames, by the way, there will be a very long and bitter galas. So Hashem is sort of being boire the refuah before the makkah. First Hashem gives a remez and creates the, the de- destiny that all the nations will in, in, evaporate. And Klaiso will last forever. Now once we have the given that we'll be around forever, okay Avram, by the way, there will be a long and bitter galas. Not the other way around. Hashem first creates the refuah. First He creates the salvation. First He creates the dissipation of the nations of the world and the eternity of the Jewish people. And only then the Rebbe creates the Tsaras and the Chayshach of the Galas. Next. Sarai has a nice cleaning lady. Her name is Hagar. Rashi says... Who's Hagar? The daughter of Parai. Parai saw all the miracles that happened to Sarah. He said, better that my daughter should be a shivcha in this house and not a princess in some other house. So I was bothered. Well then Parai had, uh, was mechavein, uh, he had good kavanos. Parai had good kavanos. Wouldn't you say it's better for Hagar to be a cleaning lady in Avram's house, then a princess somewhere else. So why why did this wicked Yishmael come out of the union? 
I mean, Paro had very nice kavanos. So maybe we could say with great trepidation that Lamaisa Paro's kavanos were Shaloy Lashem Shamayim. Do you remember Toysus in Chagiga by Alisha ben Avuya? Toysus says, why did Acher go off? Toysus says, because at Acher's bris, Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Shur were learning and they were surrounded by a fire and the father of Uyah said, well, why are you burning down my bris milah? And they said, no, we're learning and it was, it was like at Harsinai. So he said, oh, if this is the Kayach of Torah, so my, I want my son to be a Talmud Chacham. And therefore Torah says, since his Kavana was not L'Shem Shamayim, because he wanted his son to be a Talmud Chacham, to be able to produce these miracles and to have the Kavod. So therefore, this was not toiv, this was toiv achris davar only if it's toiv mei reishisai. So we could say the same thing about Parai. Yeah, Parai said, better my daughter be a mistress in this house than a, a princess somewhere else. But what, what impressed Parai? What impressed Parai? The Kedusha of Avraham's house? The Midois of Avraham's house? He saw the Nisim. Oh, he said, oh, I want my daughter also to have um, Nisim. So there is perhaps an element of Shaloi L'Shem Shamayim, and therefore when the seeds are impure, so that produced the Yishmael. Okay, last offering. This is really uh, unusual. <laughs> if you take a look in Parak Yudzayin Pasuk Beis, Pasuk says, I will make a covenant between me and you. What's the covenant? Rashi says, a covenant of love. What exactly is this covenant of love by Brismila? Covenant of love? And then the next Pasuk, Pasuk um, Tupsukum later really hit me. You have two Zakef Gadals. And that's not so common. Do you, you see that? So the two Zakef Gadals hit me. So maybe we could say like this. The Chidah brings from the Zayar HaKadosh and Parshas Miketz, that through the Mitzvah of Mila we are called Banim Lamakayim. So maybe we could say that's what Rashi means through Bris. It's a, we have a covenant of Ahava, of love. Because through Bris Mila we become Banim Lamakayim. So now let's think about that. The Bris is between God and the Jewish people. Ani Zakef Gadal. Vihayi Isa Zakef Gadal. One on I and one on and you. Now, Reb Chaim Falaji says, watch this, Zakev Gadol is the Shem Havaya. How's that? You know what a Zakev Gadol is? A Vav and two Yuds. You see that? I put it on the sheet. See, look where my uh, cursor is. See, this is a Zakev Gadol. 
Uh, it's a vav and two yuds. She, it's it's twenty six. By the way, Ruchaim Falaji says that's why by Amolek Zachayer twenty six because we want to be Mamale the Shem Hashem. So we could say Ani twenty six Vehayisa twenty six. Twenty six and twenty six is Ben. That's we become Banim Lamakaim. That's the bris of Ahava um, through Brismila. Okay, so that is Shir number one. I think these are seven interesting chidushim on Parshas Lech Lecha. But now we're going to do something even... Um, I'm going to do something interesting. I want to tell you one other. I want to tell you one other chidush. And uh, that is... Uh, this has been bothering me. My, uh, my friend um, Reb Irv um, asked me something that triggered this question. Vayoymer Hashem al Avram. This is this is a. Oh no 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 not yet. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that. I just want to point out Parak Tezayin Pasuk Tezayin. Avraham was how old when Rishma was born? Avraham was eighty six. Eighty six is Shem Eloikim, which is Midas Hadin. That sort of at the age of the ultimate Midas Hadin that created Yishmael. Okay, now I want to do something uh, different than usual. 